What a thrill for me to be here today. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. I go to many churches. I do an average of 26 meetings a month, 18 at different countries. But there's no church like this one. This morning we're doing the worship of such a presence of God and such an amazing anointing that I must tell you, I must say this to you as a family of God, that you don't become complacent and so used to the presence of God that it becomes not important or you become so over, too confident with it. In Afrikaans say ons as die meis dikkes as die meel bitter. En het is so makkelijk as ons die salving so geniet, of so veel, so baie daarvan het, dat ons nie waardeer wat die Heere doen in ons midde. En hierdie gemeente, hierdie specifieke kerk, het een besondere salving. Do you know that in Job, in chapter 9, Job prayed, if there was only one that could put his hand on God and the other hand on me. And I've traveled the world and seen many, many ministries that are profoundly gifted and anointed and are able to lay hands through counseling, through ministry, through whatever gifting they have. They lay both their hands on the people. They are trained and honed and skilled in this. But in this house, in this family, in this, in this leadership, there is a skill to lay a hand on God and the other hand on us. And I'd rather have that than both hands on me. You don't find very often someone that can touch God and touch you. We need that so much. We need God more than giftings. I'm sorry. Okay. We need God more than we need giftings. So I'm so grateful. And this is a wonderful, wonderful. I turned to my wife and I said, there's such a presence of God in this place. I, I, I'll, I'll move just back, come back to Africa just for this. If you would turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel this morning. I don't want to waste any time. The first Samuel chapter 55. Fifty-five. First Samuel, seventeen. I'm sorry, seventeen. I'm sorry. I apologize. Wilstuk seventeen. As jullie geestelijk was, het jullie sommer geweet. First Samuel seventeen, verse fifty-five. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army. That's what Saul, the king, says. Abner, whose son is this young man? And what it means is, who's this person actually? I know his first name, but what's he, what is his last name? What is his, uh, what do we say in Africa? We don't use last name, you use something else here. You say, um, family name? Surname, that's what you say, surname. As Saul watched, so in, Abner replied, as surely as the Lord, as you, as you live, your majesty, I don't know. Verse 56, the king said, find out. Find out whose son this young man is. 
As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before the Saul while David was still holding the Philistine's head. How lovely. So, whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. I was quite disturbed that the king would be asking him only now or really be so determined to know who he really is. I'm thinking, you must know David by now. For goodness sake, he's been playing the harp for so long or the musical instruments for you that you're getting peace. You've been enjoying his anointing so long. And if that's not enough, he came to your tent in a dire strait of time when you were anxious not to go and fight with Goliath. And he said he'd go. And he had a conversation with him. And you still don't know who he is. Why are you so frantically concerned now? It's the strangest thing that it takes something so dramatic to get detention. But let's work a little way back. David was anointed as king. His whole anointing was so unusual because he was the most unlikely man for anybody to have picked. In fact, even David's dad could not see potential in him. When he told to bring his boys to the sacrifice, he clearly left David behind. David didn't even look like a Jew. He had red hair, red complexion. He didn't look like the kind of person you'd, you would want to be king. In fact, the prophet himself came, Samuel came, and he saw the tallest man there and said, this has got to be the one. He looked for the outward. And so many of us look for the outward and make a very big mistake. We miss what God's doing because even angels come in the form of man and people have missed and detained them unknowingly because we judge by appearances. And we need to be a little more sharp than that. Now we find this David is anointed of God, chosen of God, and there's an interesting thing why God chose him. Most unusual, the Bible says that I found David a, a man after my own heart. I went some years ago from here to Israel to do a conference where we celebrated David as 33,000 years as king. And I thought it was kind of odd that I was flying all this way for a person who was 3,000 years dead. When I asked God, what did you like about him? He was a most unusual man, not popular. His king didn't like him. His dad didn't like him. His brothers hated him. His wife wouldn't talk to him, left him alone. His own favorite son wanted to overthrow him and get rid of him. Nobody really liked him all that much, and then he had a problem with the girls. He had so many wives and whatever else he had, he still had to have someone knowingly someone else's wife. It wasn't a one-day accidental fall. He very clearly went into that, and then he still had her husband killed, and God says, a man after my own heart. And I thought, God, you've got to let me in on the secret here. What's this about David you like so much? So that maybe it's his worship. Maybe it's his willing to repent. Something about him had to turn God on in the most amazing way. And then I found it in the Bible, of all places. Imagine that. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 22, make a note, making notes, it says, after removing Saul, God made David their king, testifying of him, saying, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, because he will do everything I ask him. I said, but God, I do everything you ask me. And God laughed at me and said, you hardly hear everything, let alone do it. We have difficulty obeying God. It is hard. We love the Lord, and we will do anything God asks us if it's agreeable. We don't want to go to Nineveh until we're in the big fish, then we want to go. 
When we go through a calamity, then we'll obey. But very often, when God asks us something, we struggle. The bottom of the food chain of obedience is tithe. Please understand, tithing is not a legality or from the Old Testament legalism. It was before the law ever began. It was a principle that the father of our faith, Abram was not the father of the law, he was a father of faith. He initiated tithing as unto God, to give unto God. God himself brought tithing into the church and each man purposed in the beginning of the week to give as his heart's purpose because... If you can't obey God with ungodly mammon, you won't obey him with anything else. So if you can't hear about finance, you won't hear anything else spiritually. So there's a bottom of the food chain in your obedience to the Lord to tithe. But we struggle so often. You feel, often feel you can't afford to tithe. I'm here to tell you you can't afford not to. Because it really works. Don't get too excited now, please. So, David did everything God asked him to do. He even ran what he thought God was saying, ran to do it. And God reciprocated by saying, a man after my own heart. So here's David, young guy, out in the field taking care of his sheep. And he ends up being invited to a party he wasn't invited to originally because all the other, all the other brothers had walked by, all seven of them. He was the eighth one. And none of them had the anointing on. And Samuel says, we're not sitting down until you get that other one. And yes, that's the one. And he pours oil on him. Now listen, when God anoints you, anointing is the endowment of power to do the task that God has given you. There are many different kinds of anointing, but that's what it is. It's not a magic fairy power that now you feel it, now you don't. It is an empowerment of God to accomplish a purpose he gave you and a vision he gave you to do. There's nothing you can barter with it or play with it. The giftings and the calling of God is irrevocable. Nothing you can do can lose the gifting or the calling. But the anointing and the authority run hand in hand with your obedience and your commitment. So the anointing is a precious thing from the Lord, and so he's anointed with oil as a symbol of a spiritual anointing inside of him. And that moment in heaven, as far as all heaven was concerned, he was king. But nothing changed. He got up from that ceremony, went right back to taking care of the sheep. With all that anointing as king, everything resumed the way it was before. Now God may anoint you, and you may be touched of God, and nothing seems to change that moment. And nobody seems to get excited about the anointing you know that God has given you. It sometimes frustrates you. Why doesn't the pastoral leadership see what God has done? You know God's done something, but it took 20 years in David's life, a hard journey of fighting, even sometimes running away for fear of his life. It was a hard journey for him for 20 years before it actually physically was manifest and visible. But the anointing was there all the time. You think the anointing should be celebrated by everybody, but it usually provokes jealousy, anger, and dislike. People dislike you, and they don't know why. They dislike the anointing, sometimes because they don't like the Lord. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says we are a fragrance of life to those that are being saved. We're also a fragrance of death to those that are not being saved. We are equally a fragrance regardless. 
to those that receive us, celebrate the anointing, they get blessed and we are life-giving fragrance. To those that defy and reject and come against us, then become a fragrance of death. That's why in your own family, those that are unsaved, benefit by your anointing, they get blessed continually. They have all these things go on. Those that fight you without you wishing it on them go through so many difficulties because you are a fragrance of life to the one and a fragrance of death to the other. That's what the anointing is. But when you get anointed, it doesn't mean that the whole world is going to stop and take notice of you right now. In fact, they may completely ignore you. That's what happened to David. In fact, they disliked him, didn't want any part of him. In fact, when he came with the, with the keeper of supplies to bring food and his older brother heard him, he said, I know how conceited you are. It's amazing. You think that you saw him get anointed. You were witnessed it from the prophet of the day. Shouldn't you have a little respect for the new king that's to be? Not at all. He had such a distaste for his younger brother. So sad that your brothers sometimes have a distaste for you even though God himself anointed you. It's very sad. It doesn't naturally provoke popularity. The anointing doesn't make even your brethren of the Lord celebrate you. Very strange. In fact, they may all enjoy the benefit of your anointing, but never celebrate it until there's a tragedy. Listen, I'm going to explain. David went every day to the king. He was told about David. In fact, when they announced it to him, they said, the son of Jesse. So he knew who he was, but it wasn't important enough to remember who he was because the boy just played an instrument. And this morning I was looking at Sister Pell playing that keyboard. And I remember someone saying some years ago that it got on their nerves and about it's too old-fashioned or whatever else they said. And I was so sad because this morning is very clear to me. It's not the playing piano technique or the ability, but there's something on the inside. Because David played the same instruments that Saul's other musicians played, but when he played, he was getting what David had, not what David was giving musically. Music was only the tool, it was the anointing on the inside that brought peace to Saul. And Sister Pell has a magnificent anointing, whether she knows it or not, she's very anointed of God. And I enjoy, and I just suck it up. I enjoy, I will enjoy and celebrate the anointing on the inside of her. So thank you for playing, Pell. We love it. And you may say some of these songs are old-fashioned. Boy, I don't care what songs you sing, because worship isn't music. Worship comes from your heart, not the music is only the tool. Are you hearing me? Okay, very important. William Branham in the 50s prophesied that the 90s would bring forth an enormous revival of worship and music, which it did. We all know Hillsong really touched the entire world. But he said that worship of God, they didn't pray to. And I, I know in this church, this is not so. Because you can tell that when the music flows, there's been prayer. Because there's an anointing that flows. So I want to tell you once again, don't take that lightly. If you've got something negative to say or criticize this church, shut up. Don't even tell your husband or your wife, let, let the fragrance of the anointing rather bring you life, not negative death. You hear what I'm saying? So be careful. If you don't like it here, you're welcome to go, but don't sit there and criticize anything because we're moving forward. 
This year is a year of moving forward and changes and big things and taking leaps forward. It's been a slow, careful journey. It's not so careful on without. We're going to take strong leaps of faith from here on out. Because God's got a purpose for this family. To touch, still touch the nation. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm telling you. It's truth. So I'm going with this somewhere. Please wait. So King Saul enjoyed the benefits of the anointing so long without even knowing the origin of it or honoring or celebrating where it was coming from. He never said, David, you're my man. We're just buddies. Never didn't even pay attention, but he enjoyed all the peace and the, the tranquility and the joy that his anointing brought him. So when David came to the king and said, I'll fight Goliath, you'd think he'd say, David, it's you. No, he didn't even know he was. So many people can enjoy the benefit of your anointing, but never really recognize or honor it. In fact, when the king Saul was there, he spoke from his fear and said, you cannot fight Goliath. He is a professional fighting man. And David said, no, I really can. And then he gave him the key which Saul just didn't get. And I so want you to get this morning. He said, when a bear and a lion came, that was his qualification or, or claim to fame. When a bear or a lion came to take my father's sheep where no one could see me, I ran after the bear and the lion and I killed them with my bare hands, freeing the sheep, and with my bare hands God gave them into my hands, and God will give me Goliath into my hands. Now, so many times you want to take on the Goliath or the giant, or whatever spirit it is you want to take on, but you haven't killed the bear and the lion at home yet. You haven't dealt with those little habits or angers or unforgiveness or bad attitudes or whatever it might be that you haven't had victory over, you're not going to have victory over fighting a strong man when you couldn't take care of his little subordinates. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And that's why the victories in the smaller arena only gives us strength and faith for the next level. And I know this family, this church, is ready for taking on Goliath. And so this Goliath, which Saul didn't have anointing or was afraid to, even though he was experienced, his experience, a claim to fame, was having killed the thousands. Because he had killed many people. And what wouldn't have been anything new, but he didn't want to go. David's claim was, to fame was killing the bear in line with his bare hands where no one could see him. Saul's was where everyone could see him. But he didn't have the courage to go and fight this Goliath because David knew where his strength came from, where Saul was depending upon his fighting skills and his own big strength. But David knew in who he relied because he experienced it when no one could see it. And so he said, now I'll fight him. And so good old Saul tries to put all his armor and his uniform on this little boy who could never fit into it because he was big and tall anyway. And he was, David was only a kid. And so he said, I'm not used to these in his very polite way. And he picked five smooth stones, and I know you, I'm sure you know, it wasn't because he'd think he might miss Goliath. In fact, nobody could miss Goliath. He was so big, even the very amateur shot, could, one that would shoot with a sling, could hit him because there's no way he could miss such a big giant. But he had five stones because he was looking for the other four brothers of Goliath. A stone for each one of them. Because he had such confidence in, his, in the Father, in the living God that delivered him before. He was bringing on, okay, you bring on your financial recession, or we after sickness too, and we after division, and we after all this murder and all the crime. We after all these demons, not just one. We're bringing you down. You're coming down, ugly guy. That's the attitude of David. Please understand the principle. Now David goes out and fights Goliath. 
chops his head off, and suddenly, the king suddenly now, now it's absolutely obsessive. We have to know who this boy is. I've been having him every day in my house playing music for me. He was in my tent, but I don't know who he is. Who is this boy? Why do you want to know who he is now? Because he confronted your enemy and brought it down. It seems to me the anointing is only celebrated once it brings down an enemy. Has a big confrontation. We don't like confrontations. We are afraid sometimes or nervous, but we think a storm or a difficulty is something which we don't, shouldn't be having. But we need those storms, we need those difficulties, just so that the God in us can be seen. Do you know that God delights in a little bit of argumentative fighting and, and, and disagreements in the church? He loves it. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 19 says, There must be fighting and factions amongst you, that they that are approved of God can be seen. Because when you have a disagreement with a brother or a sister, then God's watching what you're going to do. Because Solomon said, let's cut the baby in half. And the real mother said, let's not. Because she'd rather forgo her motherhood for the sake of the baby was more important to her. When you love God more than yourself, you'd rather be reconciled than right. So when you have a disagreement, God's watching to see if you can be humble or do you want to fight to prove how right you are. So take note today, you will have many challenges because iron sharpens iron, and each time you are challenged, the road of the cross, the way of the cross, is to humble your heart. Because God always, always, always lifts up the humble and resists the proud. Always. No matter how proud and wonderful you are, and good and righteous you think you are, no matter how sinful or bad or weak or how many times you, you fall or make mistakes, if your heart is humble, God will always lift you up. That's what the Word of God says, and God is true to His Word. Boy, don't get too excited in this room. You guys mustn't say amen or wave or anything, please. Golly, y'all. I guess I'm just used to Americans. I get very excited about everything. <clears throat> yeah, but I guess you just listen to what I'm telling you. There's an anointing in this house and I'm not saying that to flatter. I do not go from church to church saying that. There's something so profound here. It is so profound. Don't take it lightly. And God has anointed you so I can promise you you'll have your Goliath to face. He doesn't anoint you just to play musical instruments for Saul. No, he's got a plan. A strong anointing is to confront a strong demon. And that's what God empowered you for. And the Lord has put something on this house to do a great thing for God's kingdom. And I'm so thrilled with, for Pastor... Uh, John, I see such an amazing anointing growth in him. He doesn't grow like a normal person. He grows in huge, fast paces. From the day I've known him, he was still at high school, and I've watched him grow. Even from the last time I was here, he's not even the same man. He's become such a man of God, a young apostle in every way, not just a pastor. He's got such a lot of God in him. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You are so blessed because of his family. It is God's plan, and it's God's determined wish to bring this church to a very large church. The Lord said, I must say this. I said, are you sure I must say this, God? It's God's plan to grow this church way beyond to these buildings. You're going to have multiple, not one or two, multiple services. And then it's not going to work anymore. It's going to be too many people. And it's not because there's anybody that's great or good-looking or very gifted. It's God's always been God's purpose. The enemy has done all he can 
to render this vision and the plan of God null and void. He's always fighting us. Jesus said to Peter, the devil has asked to sift you. The devil came to God and accused Peter, who God picked. Because Jesus picked a whole bunch of disciples, 70 of them in fact, and then went up the mountain to pray, and God told him which 12 he should have. So Peter was selected by God himself, the Father, and the devil came to God and said, he's such a flake, let me take him out for you. And Jesus, hearing this, came to his defense by saying, but Peter, I prayed for you. Well, what did you pray, Lord? I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. Why couldn't you pray rather that I would overcome the devil or he wouldn't succeed or he'd leave me alone? Because when the enemy comes against you, his sole purpose is not to destroy your marriage, not to destroy the church, not even to destroy your finances. When he's attacking your body, whenever you're going through something, his purpose is to destroy your faith. He's wondering what is it going to take for you to doubt or wonder whether there's really a God or whether God heard your prayers? What's it going to take for you to be in a place where you wonder if you're even on the right track? The very first time he spoke in the Bible, his tactic was simply to sow doubt. He said to Eve, did God really say? And what he's doing in your life is to falter that faith. Because the commodity of heaven is not righteousness, acts, or deeds. It's simply faith. Jesus said, you can, be, you can have as much as you believe for, that all things are possible if you believe. Not if you live right. It was always faith. was always the buying power of the heavenlies. Always. In South Africa, you may have a lot of dollars, but you will not buy anything in a regular store with American dollars. You need rand. And so we need faith. You may be the most godly living person in the world, but if you don't have faith, it's not going to accomplish a whole lot. Faith is the monetary system of heaven. Are you listening to me? So the devil wants to know that if he can just fault your faith, if he can just get you to have a little fear. So we get fear by watching the news, by hearing negative reports, because that's what it does. Twelve spies all saw the same thing, and two of them came with a different report. They all saw exactly the same news. They saw the same high crime rate. They saw the same recession. They saw all the same things, but they said, the two of them, that we can do it. We can overcome with God's power. The other ten said, no, we'll never make it. And God destroyed them because he didn't like that spirit. Now, let me tell you, you're not of that spirit. In fact, God said, you're the salt of the earth. It's not Muslim or Islam that's the salt of the earth, not Buddhists, not higher Krishnas, but you are the salt of the earth. Let me tell you, if you were a drinker and you went to a bar, they'd give you free peanuts, free salty, anything, free. Don't pay one cent for it, because it makes you thirsty. <laughs> it makes you thirsty, so you'll buy the drink. God designed you to be the salt of the earth to make the world thirsty for him. God designed you to have such a relationship with God, they're not going to see or see you as the salt if everything goes your way and you have no problems. No, they're going to see you how you deal with your cancer, how you deal with your marriage situation, how you deal with your financial difficulties. That's where, how they're going to know if you're really from God. They're going to see how you treat each other. Because the world sometimes have more loving attitudes than Christians do one to another. 
And Jesus said, they'll know you, my disciples, by the love you have for each other. That's how they'll know. Not by how much you can speak in tongues. Thank God you need to. Please understand. But by your love, the way you treat each other. That's why I'm so grateful when you spoke about forgiveness. The whole of heaven is hinged on forgiveness. So serious, if you can't forgive... You can't even maintain your forgiveness. Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, as he was reading there, that if you don't forgive, then, I, then God himself will remove your forgiveness and hand you over the tormentor. It's that serious. You absolutely have to forgive. And if you're still remembering it, you haven't forgiven it yet. You're still talking about it, you haven't forgiven it yet. The devil wants to keep it alive. He's out to stop you and render you null and void. And I'm here to tell you this because the anointing in this house is destined for a Goliath. You've already done all the worship and the spirit and singing to Saul. You've already proved the world and they've benefited from the anointing of this house already. People have gotten prosperous and blessed just becoming part of this family because of the anointing there. They've enjoyed the benefits of the anointing, but the anointing is there for a task to bring down a strong man, to bring up and hold the name of the Lord up high. Are you listening to me? And for that to happen, we're not going to walk in fear or allow the enemy to create fear, because where if you're anxious and fearful, faith's not there. When you pray, and you're praying from a place, oh God, oh God, you've got to help, and you think you're praying very earnestly and seriously, you're praying anxiously. And where anxiety is, faith is absent. So you've got to check the way you're praying. Are you praying from faith, or praying from fear, or terrible concern? You've got to get to a place full of the word that you're praying from an expectancy, because the Lord is our solution. Let me tell you, there's only one God. There's only one Jesus. There's only one way. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey said. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. And I'll never apologize for it. God is not a Muslim. He's not a Hindu. He's a Christian. And if you're not born again, you will not go to heaven. That's not my opinion. It's in the Word, and I absolutely believe it. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. It's a win-win. It's a free gift. Every religion, you've got to work your tail off to earn something. You've got to bomb and blow yourself up so you can just make it possibly. No. I tell you, all you've got to do is say, yes, please, Lord. Come into my heart. It's a free gift. All you've got to do, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked of Him, and He would have given it to you. All you've got to do is ask. It's not hard or difficult. Say, please, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, and I want to give you my life. It's the end of it. He surrenders. You surrender to Him, and a, a wonderful relationship starts with the Lord Jesus. A most magnificent journey. This house represents that to the world. And I am telling you, that this church is going to be on te television, not just Christian TV, but secular TV. It's going to be a war to get on there, but you're not going to surrender because you're going to touch the public where you can reach them the most powerful. Internet is great and you will touch people on the internet, but God wants to touch this nation through the television market. Right on the regular television in every language, He wants to touch that for the gospel. It doesn't have to be on long, just a few minutes, and He will touch them. He's got a purpose and a plan, and I tell you, you're on a journey. The Lord says to you, John, you're on track, you're not behind, you're not in front. You're never going to please everybody. Even God can't do that. God lost an entire third of his heavenly host. That's a big, big chunk. If a third walked out of this church, we'll notice it. A third walked out of God's kingdom. 
so you can be sure that a real church doesn't keep everybody. That's a club. <laughs> there are people that get offended and they move on. Their hearts are tested. And so I want to tell you, don't take it personally. You're a, you are a magnificent pastor. Your way of speaking, the way of dealing with people is so godly. But you have stepped into a whole new level and role of apostolic in your own such young years and already the mantle of governments on your shoulders. Don't you apologize for it. Don't you back down of any intimidation of any other leaders in this nation. You take your orders from the king, not from the, the other little kids around the block. So they can talk and throw tantrums, do what they like, because you do what God says. Peter said, what about John? Jesus said, you, follow me, forget the other guys. You do what God says, and that's all. That's you, who you work for. And this house will follow God, and God will lift up his name. God has got the most exciting plans for the next few years. I tell you the truth, and I'm grateful for this building. It's a beautiful building, and you're going to go to multiple services. It's going to be high-charged, four or five services, one after the other. God's going to do from Saturday night to Sunday morning. It's going to start out of two, and it's going to go to five eventually. That's how big it's going to get. God will do it. It's not our effort. It's just following whatever He says. And there's such a presence of God in this house, I'm thrilled to say. Mandri, you have a wonderful anointing on your heart. I've known you since you're a little girl in your school. I've stayed in your mom and dad's home. And what you become is a godly princess. There's no other way to describe you. You have made wonderful choices to keep choosing God's way, to keep choosing against all everyone's talk. You've always made the right decision, and that's what's made you the woman of God that you are. And the ministry is already inside of you. And Ms. Pal, you are such a wonderful I admire and respect you for what you've walked through and the woman of God that you are and how much abuse you've suffered under man's hand and didn't retaliate or have unforgiveness. And God is only going to use you more. The only thing I always say is you're not functioning as well as and as much as you can. Don't turn any invitations down unless God tells you. You need to go out and speak. You keep being reluctant. God's anointed you to be the speaker. In some places, he's going to use you in Methodists, in India. He'll use you in the most traditional places and give you favor because he doesn't want to turn, turn the Christians, get the Christians saved. He wants to get those that don't have the light, the light. And you've got, you have got it. Sometimes you prepare yourself to, for hours and hours and hours and God says, I must tell you that he's been preparing you for years. It's already all in there. So spending five hours on one message isn't necessary. You weigh yourself down. Just let it come out from you, inside of you, naturally. God is so good. And Andrew, where are you? So anointed. My wife and always, I said it was years ago, even at Hatfield, how when you, when you did worship, it was so wonderful. Again, today, just feel the presence of God. All these people on this platform, every one of them are anointed. They're not just musicians looking for a place to play. There's something here that is so special, and you ought, you ought to be treated with great grace and preciousness because it's special. God has blessed you very, very specially, and we are blessed in this family of God, and we thank Him for it, and we want to be faithful with what God has given us. Yes? And I don't want you to be a secret service Christian. Don't let your neighbors find out from someone else you're a Christian. Tell them yourself. Jesus. <laughs> 
want hy is een werkelijkheid, die wereld honger daarvoor, en die mensen wat ongemakkelijk wordt, als je van die heren praat, is mensen wat onder de, die beweging van die heilige geest, die oortuiging van, van zonde, mensen wat heeltemaal cool en niks omgeen nie, en jy klaar hulle verloor. Mensen wat omgekrap word, is omdat die heilige geest met hulle werk. So don't apologize for the gospel, it's the power of salvation. It's the power of God. Thousands of people have been saved through, the, through this anointing already. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's tell people. Let's go out with it. And God will change them. If you want to change a nation, you want to stop crime? Get them saved. Get them saved. Give them something else. And you'll watch. Instead of trying to, trying to stop them and tell them it's wrong, fill them with something good and watch what God will do. Golly. Before you was so willing to uh, compromise or pe- meet people halfway or back down and uh, negotiations with radio stations and with different things and this is the word of the Lord that God has given you such an upright heart you've chosen such good things you and Andrew need to not back down there is a transaction and something now in, in, the, in the pipeline and uh, don't you back down because of who's involved you go for the jugular because you work for God not for man It's not a war between men, it's a, it's a war for the kingdom. The, king, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And that's why I pray for this church, that the force be with you. Right, Andrew? That the force be with you, buddy. You're going to have a little, show the devil a little force. Devil, you're forcing me now! Making me mad, devil, now I'm really going to fight. The devil loves to intimidate you. That's what he likes to do. He likes to intimidate you, put fear in your heart. Our confidence in the Lord. My God is bigger and able to do all things. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And that's the truth. We've turned a corner, reached a milestone in this church, and God has brought us as far God is our defense, and there's always going to be some challenge. You're never going to be without something to deal with. Jesus prophesied a wonderful prophecy over you and over this church. He said, in this world, you will have many troubles. (laughs) So you can be absolutely sure and not be surprised when you have troubles. Because he told you you would have them. But he said, do not fear, because I overcame the world. I'm already the answer to all that. So it's already taken care of. You're going to have them, but I'm going to show you the victories. Do you hear what I'm telling you? One more thing prophetically I want to tell you is, for this church, is Jesus said, Jesus said, not the disciple, not someone else, let us go to the other side. It was his idea. It was his word. Did he mention that, oh, by the way, we're going to go through a very bad storm, and I'm going to be asleep. I won't be participating in your stress. I'll be sleeping. So when God tells you to do something, and you have a major storm, don't start thinking, well, I must have missed God. Sometimes you're in the storm because you obeyed Him. You're getting it. You're getting it. You're in that storm because you're taking on obedience in the Lord. And he's asleep. Isn't that, isn't that strange when you really need God to wake up and get with the program? It's like he's not at all stressed. <sighs> you called, you rang. 
Don't you care? That's the response of the disciples. Don't you care? The first thing we feel when we're in a storm and not getting immediate response is God stopped caring. Don't you care that we are drowning? And he calmed the storm and the response of the Lord, our Master, our Lord, our Savior, have you still no faith? He absolutely expects you to bring on the storm. Bring it on, baby. Come on, devil. You can do better than that. Not to be afraid of the devil. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Because the Lord our God is strong. Yes, a third left and a lot of demons, but two-thirds stayed. We're still in the winning team. We're still the majority. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Our God is able. He reigns. The devil has no power. We have full authority. So when he brings on a storm, we will have confidence because we remind ourselves what God said. We're going to the other side. I don't care about the storm. I don't care about whatever's going on. We care only about what he said. And God gave you words and told you where you're going. And you know in your own heart, thank God for prophecy. But the truth is that you are the leader. You're the father. The mantle's on you. You hear God. And you do. And you do. Until now, you've taken advice and been wise in counsel. And that's right. In the, in the counsel of many is wisdom. But I want to tell you, Pastor John, you hear God. You hear God and you need to go with what God's telling you. Don't hesitate. God gave you grace to hesitate before, but you're going to take us and lead us, and we're going to go with God. You know, your dad had the most uncanny ability always to be right there where God was going, one step ahead, one step. He used to teach and open the Bible with the most simple things that I've read a thousand times, but when he said it, and you have the same thing on you. This morning I heard it again, just like, yeah, totally cool. When you, when you speak. Your dad will be so proud of you, so thankful to God. I'm thankful to God. I am thankful to the Lord for this family. Do you hear what I'm saying? Many of you come with prophetic words when maybe you don't even need them. This church is very prophetic, and I have a vision. Uh, always I worked hard in this nation to try and stir the prophetic up. And I feel the Lord is stirring me up again to come back more frequently and stir the prophetic. It seems to have gotten asleep in this country. So I'm doing one conference already now, 23rd, 24th, and 25th in Midrand, prophetic, just to start injecting. And I intend on coming back. We want to buy a little home in, in uh, Strand. So my daughter wants to go to college, university in Stellenbosch. And so, so pray for me that it will help work with those things for me because I'm an American citizen now. It's harder for me to acquire property here. It's a little more difficult in that way to get any kind of financing here. And I really want to do this because I want to come more frequently and stir the prophetic up again in this nation. This church has always been the most prophetic church in the world. Everybody in this church in our home groups for years had the word of the Lord. It's nothing new to us, but not everywhere else. So I want to, I want to appeal to you today not to hold back what God's giving you. Used to be, we used to have the ministry microphone. Used to be that in home cells, people had always had the words from the Lord, and it was very encouraging and strengthening. We've also had some weirdos. <laughs> but we'll deal with that. We strain out the gnats and, and don't swallow the camels. We'll just deal with those things. That's all there is to it. Right? Praise the Yerra. Praise the Yerra. Die Heere is goed en die duivel kan in die hel gaan. There are many potential millionaires in this multi-millionaires. Of course, saying a millionaire is nothing anymore in this country. You've got to say multi-millionaire to mean anything. Because a million is not, most of us here have worth at least a million somewhere. But 
God wants to raise up very wealthy people in this church, and I, I don't know why. I'm not into the money, but I just feel prompted the Holy Ghost to stir it up. The guy with the yellow shirt, what's your name, sir? Glenn, uh, I don't know what you do, and it's not important to me, but you, God has marked you to make some money. You tried before, and it didn't work, but now is your time. Now is your time to make the money. So, I release you, Glenn, to become the multi-successful millionaire. I mean, really big money. What's your name next to him, please? Uh, can anybody? Lillian. Lillian, I'm so sorry for the sadness and the losses you've had. It's tragic and you're having a hard time letting go of your grief. I'm so sorry. But today, today is the end of your morning. Today you must embrace the plans of God. You did nothing wrong. You did not deserve this. You've got to stop taking blame for it. It's not you. It's life. Life happened. The rain falls and the righteous and the unrighteous. It just falls. The rain falls. So don't hold on to it anymore. God's got such good plans, but he does promise that however difficult for you to understand, good is going to come from this. Good. It's God's plan. As a sign to you, in your body, there's something that's bothering you. When you leave this building, you're going to be so healed that every symptom will leave you and not return. As a sign to you. What's your name right in front of you, please? What's your name? The lady is, please. Your name? Kathleen. Okay. You, Kathy. Kathy, you've got a wonderful spirit. You really know how to touch the Lord. And you have a gift from God to teach. The devil has tried to kill you. He's tried to stop you. But your future is that you're going to touch many many lives. Your life was no accident when you were born. It wasn't just a happening. God had you born for a time such as this. I lose you from all the wrong thinking, from all the things that were said, but you become the woman of God you were born to be. You were born to touch young people, touch children. You have such a patience and a gifting for them. I'm so sorry for what you've been through. That's yesterday. His name's I am. Let's press on to what God has given you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can you take down those? My tape could be minner. Come on, somebody, son, that's it. Excuse me. Have you got a heart up for sale? Miss Pell says, Oh, he still makes jokes. <laughs> the gentleman with the beard, please, your name quickly. Johan. Johan is in the community. Are you in this church? Would you, could you go to church somewhere? Where is that? Okay. God wants to feed you a whole lot more. There's a hunger in your soul and you're going through a terrible valley and storm right now. I've got such good news for you. It's going to go by much faster and it's going to end, have a wonderful end. You, your devil's not going to rob you or triumph over you. It's going to be okay. God sent an angel to your house to heal and to do great things. And he sent an angel before you in business to open up a door and that no man can shut. The devil's not going to succeed in robbing you. Thank you, Juan. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One minute. Okay. You, you stop me, okay? All right. Thank you, Jesus. The gentleman with the blue shirt and the tie, so quickly. What is your name, sir? John. And this is your lovely Charles. And this is your lovely wife. What's your name? Jackie. And you married for how many years? Forty-two. Isn't that wonderful? 
That's so great. Are you in this church, Charles? God thanks you for your faithfulness and the Father's heart. Sometimes you wish that you could be a little more worthful, do a little more. Just you being here is more worth than you know. Because of the maturity, the stability, and the upright, the integrity, you have great discernment and great wisdom from God. What you have acquired over your life is wisdom, and you've learned an immense amount. You've been disappointed by Christians and people that should have done things, but you've been mature enough to forgive and heal. And this is your day, this is your hour to see God use you in the, as a father in the house, but as you take care of his children, he's going to take care of yours. Not one, not one is going to be lost. Not one. That's God's promise. And he'll do major things in their lives as you keep taking care of God's house here. That's God's plan. God is faithful. You've taken a knock financially, and God's always helped you before, but you have no idea how he's going to help you now. He's going to really surprise you. As for you, my sister, you're a delightful Lord. You're a little hard worker, talented lady, can do anything and everything. People have misunderstood and misread you for your zeal. They almost think you're pushy and controlling, but it's not true. You're a lovely lady with so much to offer and give, and God delights in you. You're a blessing. You're going to impact the community because God has given you open doors in so many areas, and people are always threatened by you. Don't take it personally. It's not you. It's the anointing on the inside of you. It's not your skill. It's all the stuff. What's your name in the blue right in front of you? The lady, young lady is. Vi. Vi. This is a new chapter of your life, a new day. Sometimes we come to a place in our life, we think, look back and think, it's all over, it's all... No, no, it's only beginning a whole new phase. And God wants you to grab it and not look back anymore because he's got some fun things waiting for you. Do you understand? Some wonderful pleasures. I know you've been through some losses and some things, but God's got some good things waiting for you. Wonderful, just grab it because it's the blessing of God. Your name quickly, sir, with the, with the glasses. Wayne. And, and the lady next to you is your... Is your Stay in the same place. Oh, okay. Next door house. Okay, good. You live with Rech Prat, man. I'm just kidding. I really am just teasing you. Get you all relaxed up. So, Wayne, God says, they told you that you're not smart, you can't do stuff, but I'm going to tell you it's a lie from hell. Your heart is what God loves. You have an upright heart. There's no evil in you. Out in your guile. You had a struggle your whole life. These people always spoke you down and told you you weren't smart enough. It's not true. Your brain hasn't kicked into full gear because you believe what they said. But I'm here to tell you, from here on out, you're going to succeed. Computers, wires, and all kinds of electronics, you're going to have your own business, buddy. And you're going to, you're going to put to shame all the mouths and all the critics because God's going to bless you because you're a noble heart. You've got a pure heart. The only thing is you're so soft. You're so kind. Everybody can just use you. It stops here and it stops now. You're going to have to use wisdom of God be your portion. Mm. Tell me your name again, young lady. Jackie. Jackie, are you in this church? You should do. You're supposed to be part of this family. You're going to learn so much and do so well. No one has to wonder what Jackie's thinking. She'll tell you. 
Jackie will not be credited as a shy, withdrawn person. Not anyway. But at the same time, you have so much love, Jackie. You love everybody. You're gracious and kind. You're a go-get-em-done girl. And you're a mother to so many. And God appreciates that. You've been struggling in your body with something that's been a little awkward and discom- discomforting. God's going to fix it and heal it for you because he loves you on your side. There's also a dispute about something financially that just fight, fight, fight about it. It stops today. God has sent an angel to give you victory because on your side, but you will be part of this family, committed and wise, and you're going to learn an immense amount. You're going to learn how to use the same, the same gifting in a very wise, mature way to be effective. That's God's plan. Your family's going to wake up call. God's going to get the whole family in without your help. <laughs> Hallelujah! John, you must come. Four minutes. All right, dude. Okay, kind of go back to the sinner side. Well, we all sinners saved by grace. Isn't that true? What's your name? Stuart. And this is your lovely wife. Wife. Stuart and? What? Oh, you're engaged. When are you getting married? 25th of April. You know, in America, when you ask people that are engaged, when you get married, they don't know. I, I, it's true, they get engaged without making a date. I, can, I cannot understand it. Strange. So, how many, uh, what, what do you do for a living? How much, what do you do for a living? Software developer. You're a good man, and people underestimate you. You're a little bit slow, but you get the job done. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a key for your life. Because you take on every task, and yes, yes, everybody, but this is how you must do. Stay focused on one job at a time. You're not. You may think you are, but you're not a multitasker. <laughs> one thing at a time, and you do extremely well. The, the, the wonderful gift of your life is there isn't a, an ounce of guile or evil or darkness in you. You're pure-hearted, and you are exactly what you say. She's getting a man of truth, a man of righteousness, a good man. A good man in every way. <laughs> My sister, I want to apologize to you on behalf of your own family and those that have done wrong by you. They didn't appreciate you, honor you. You suffered a lot of rejection and disappointments in your life, but that's over. This is a brand new day. You're going to have so much fun. You're so talented. You tried many things that didn't all work out, and you lost your confidence, but God's putting it back in you. He wants to do great things. There was no accident, and God put the two of you together. You're very different very different by nature, but also complementary together. Because where he sometimes forgets things, you remember the details, and you'll get it done. But he's going to build confidence back into you. And when you get your confidence back, the Lord's going to use you like a whirlwind. Because you can move fast, and you're clear, you're smart, and you've been hurt and wounded to make you impotent. But the Lord has done great things. Now, the guilt has been following you. You just wish you can go back and change something. If only I hadn't. God says, no more. You stop that. Because what God has put under his blood doesn't exist anymore, and he wants you to put it there too now. Do you understand? It's over, it's finished. God's got good things for you. You're going to have the most beautiful family. God's going to take very good care of you. He's going to have his own business. God's going to prosper him in every way, but he needs a little help when it comes to organizing things. <laughs> How's my time? Two minutes. Okay. Woo-hoo. Did you have somebody you'd like to minister to at all? Anybody at all? No one you got... Well, do you have anybody you'd like me to minister to? Anybody in your mind that pops in your mind they feel, oh, you know, they could use a word. Peter Faree. Peter Faree, please. All right. Just stand where you are. It's okay. Stand on Peter. Peter, stand on. Yeah. Pardon? You want to say something? Is that okay? 
Okay. Okay, are you married? Are you, are, are you married, sir? Is your wife here today? Would, okay, you sit down. What's your name, please? Akani, what name? Rita and Peter, right? Marita. The Lord sent a healing spirit to your home to physically heal. The devil's not going to triumph in any way. You are in a major war, but God is going to give you the victory. My brother, uh, you have faith and confidence, but the devil has messed with your mind so much that you're not fighting with faith. You're fighting from a place of, of, of frustration. And God's putting faith in your spirit because the Lord has never failed you yet. He's never failed you. You have a history of testimony of what God can do for you. And you feel like everything's going wrong. No, it's not. The devil's attacking, but he will not. When he comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard himself. And God's raising up a standard. This week's going to be the first sign of God's standard of his defense in your case. This week, it's God's promise to you. And he's got your whole family in his arms. And the devil's not going to triumph over your family. That's God's promise to you. He will not succeed. As for you, my sister, God's putting back your joy because you've got the same concern and worry that he has. But peace to your souls because you'll leave this building today with a new joy and peace for the Lord has heard the cries of your heart and he will be your defense. Amen. Thank you.